Welcome to the BizTimes MKE podcast and our weekly debrief. I'm BizTimes Associate Editor Arthur Thomas, and I'm joined on this week's episode, as always, by BizTimes Editor Andrew Wyland. Andrew, how are you? Very good. And joining us again this week, real estate reporter Alex Zink. Alex, how's it going? Ah, I'm just fine. Thank you. Excellent. Good to hear. Well, before we get started, I want to highlight two upcoming BizTimes events. Uh, the first is our Nonprofit Excellence Awards taking place on November 5th, and we'll have a great uh, panel to go with that um, focused on workforce development solutions that work um, with Lauren Anderson uh, kind of discussing some of the things that uh, area organizations are doing to help uh, ease the workforce challenges companies are having and get people who are under underemployed uh, into the workforce. And then on November 18th, we'll have our annual commercial real estate conference, which Andrew, I know you're deeply involved in in putting together and Alex, you've had a hand in as well. Uh, We'll be talking about the office market and uh, development hotspots uh, or upcoming future development hotspots in southeastern Wisconsin. So that should be a great discussion as well. We've got two panels for that. Lots of great people. If you're interested in our events, visit us at biztimes.com slash annual dash events for more information and to register. With that, we'll turn to our Insider Story Spotlight. This is a chance for us to highlight some of the insider-only stories we wrote this week, um, available only to BizTimes Insiders. Uh, If you are an insider, thank you very much for subscribing. We appreciate the support. If you're not, it's really easy to do. Visit us at biztimes.com, click on the subscribe button, It costs the equivalent of $8 a month to subscribe and supports our work, lets us do more great journalism. So with that, Alex, what uh, what insider story caught your attention this week? Right. Uh, I was really intrigued by uh, the news uh, that Wisconsin-based Topper's Pizza dropped this week. My colleague Meredith Meyer had a story on the pizza chain announcing that Great Plains Capital had purchased a minority stake in the company and that's as its first ever equity partner. And that's to help toppers leverage its uh, long-term investment growth plans, accelerate some of those growth initiatives, including uh, technology innovation and franchise development. So Meredith uh, spoke with uh, the toppers president and founder to kind of talk about that news and everything going on uh, at the company. So it was, you know, it was a really good read. Uh, good to catch up with what's all going on at Topper's Pizza. It's one of those, uh, retail businesses that has been growing. They continue to grow even through the pandemic. You know, you still need your pizza and it's just good to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, it's interesting to hear, you know, what their next steps are and how they want to achieve some of these growth plans. Well, it's just been interesting to watch them. Uh, You know, I, I believe, you know, these guys came out of Whitewater, I think it was the UW Whitewater, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the founders and, you know, launched this, this business. Um, there's obviously a lot of competition for, you know, pizza, pizza delivery, pizza, pizza chains, but they've done pretty well. You know, they got 70 locations now. They've always been very aggressive about their growth plans, always talking very ambitiously about uh, the number of locations they want to have. I uh, actually looked it up and found that they were a couple of years ago ranked the 42nd largest pizza chain in the nation. So I thought that's you know pretty interesting. Obviously, a long way to go to catch up to number one is Domino's at 15,000 locations. So a long way to go there, but it's a it's a cool um, 
business that's uh, that's grown and has big growth plans and now having this investment behind them, hopefully they'll continue to be able to do that. So it's, it's been fun to watch them. Yeah. Always exciting to see companies with, uh, with growth ambitions. So Andrew, what, uh, what insider story caught your attention this week? Well, speaking of growth, um, I know we, we talk a lot about Milwaukee tool. They're, they're constantly in the news. They are in my view, the most important company in Southeastern Wisconsin right now, because their growth is so phenomenal. However, they're running into a problem and that is they're, they're growing at such a rapid pace, which is great, but they are struggling to, and it's a missed opportunity, quite honestly, for, for Southeastern Wisconsin. They are struggling to find the talent that they need to, to meet their incredible growth plans. So Arthur had a big scoop this week that reported that Milwaukee Tool is going to open an office in Chicago, a pretty substantial office. They're just starting to establish it now, and eventually it's going to be like 70,000 square feet and could have 150 employees. And I know some people hear that news and they're disappointed. They're going, you know, Milwaukee Tools should be growing in Milwaukee. And this is an office, you know, primarily for engineers. <laughs> Milwaukee Tool, with the massive amount of innovation they're doing with their products, which is why they're growing so much, but they need lots and lots and lots of engineers to develop these products. And they have simply, they're, they're struggling to fill that, that talent pipeline that, that they have. They've hired every engineer pretty much they can find coming out of local universities. And, you know, I was speaking to um, their CEO, Steve Richman, before our recent Next Gen Manufacturing Summit. He was our we had a, he was our keynote, did a, did a Q and A with Arthur. And um, I, I talked to him before that and I said, Hey, you're, you guys are doing great stuff. And he said, yeah, it's great, but we're struggling to attract the talent we need. And he said, they're very happy with, you know, talent coming out of MSOE and talent coming out of um, Marquette and UW Madison. Um, but it's just not enough. And they're turning their attention to places like university of Illinois, Purdue and other places to find um, talent, it's, and it's not always easy to draw that talent to Milwaukee. He says Milwaukee has become a better place to attract talent to, but they still aren't getting enough. So their move to open an office in Chicago is a way to give them another office that they can staff up the engineering talent that they need. So it's a pretty big move for them, but it's disappointing in a sense that if we were doing a better job of developing the engineering talent in southeastern Wisconsin, this wouldn't be necessary. So those jobs in Chicago from Milwaukee Tool are really a missed opportunity for our region's economy. Yeah. I mean, I saw some of the comments on social media that you know this office should be, you know, here. And it'd be one thing if if they were doing this and hadn't already announced the plans they have for the former assurance building. Um, downtown, but I mean, they're, they're opening a massive downtown office, taking 300 some odd thousand square feet of office space off the market and making a significant investment there. So it's not like they're not investing in office space in Milwaukee um, to try and attract talent. They had that building practically filled with, you know, hires they've made. Um, and, you know, it's their, they are, going after, you know, manufacturing ta- or engineering talent wherever they can. And I've heard stories of, of employers kind of grumbling of, you know, how much they are uh, 
they kind of disrupt the the labor market for for engineering talent um, because they they need so much of it to fuel their growth. So yeah, I mean they really are expanding massively here. So I mean no one should be disappointed or thinking that Milwaukee Tool isn't uh, growing like gangbusters here. They are. Like I said to me, they're the most important company in the region right now based on the amount of growth that's happening coming out of them. It's it's fantastic. We could use you know, 20 more Milwaukee tools in Southeastern Wisconsin. <laughs> but at the same time, they simply, uh, as, as, as great as they're doing and as many employees they're adding, they can't fill all the positions they need to fill. And so they're having to turn to Chicago to add an office down there. And that's too bad. That's too bad because, you know, if we were, if we had a better talent pool here, that wouldn't be necessary. Uh, and not to mention the, the multi-purpose campus they're developing in Mountain Falls, as well as the facility on West Bend, they are kind of just growing anywhere and everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so my insider spotlight story this week is one that Alex, you reported on. Um, it is the sale of the uh, former Johnson Financial Group offices in Milwaukee, the 333 East Wisconsin Avenue building um, for $1.3 million. Um, to an LLC led by attorney Michael Levine. Sounds like he's, you know, likes the building and, um, you know, is kind of on the hunt for a new tenant. It was interesting. We had in our recently in our in our magazine, we had a, a profile a feature on Johnson Financial's um, new offices at Cathedral Place. And while I was there for that one, Jim Pop, the president and CEO of Johnson Financial Group, was talking about the old building, kind of saying, well, it's not you know, super functional as, as an office, kind of a stairway that is in the middle of the building and you can't really divide up by floors. Um, so you kind of need, you know, it's like a five story building. You got to have all five stories that you're using. Um, you can't really sublet, you know, one off, um, things like that. So it'll be interesting to see what becomes of that building. Um, you know, the, the buyer said in his email to you, Alex, you know, it's a, um, he called it a beautiful building in great condition on a prominent corner. So, you know, that should translate to something nice in the long run. Right, Arthur. And, and since you mentioned that we knew it was for sale and we had been hearing rumblings that it had been sold, uh, I was asking brokers, it, was this headed toward another residential conversion? And that's kind of all the rage we see with those older office buildings uh, in the downtown area. But I did hear from some folks that, you know, it's still it still would make sense for an office building. And that's clearly what it the intention is for it to remain right now. Uh, it's just, you know, it's going to it's gonna have to be a single tenant that wants that kind of creative, unique space. And that's what, you know, you kind of expect out of these historic buildings anyway. So, you know, the it, it, it might not see a new life yet as a residential building. You know, someone might be attracted to that kind of thing and we'll have to see what, what the new owners come up with. Definitely be interesting to see. All right, well, let's turn to our big story of the week. Um, another one that you're reporting on, Alex, and uh, was a big building sale, the sale of the uh, St. Paul Avenue um, Postal Office building um, by our two companies uh, for $15 million uh, to Postal Realty Trust. Uh, what can you tell us about this buyer, about this seller, about this property? that I'm pretty sure we once had on the cover of Biz Times as the Ugly Duckling. Uh, so what can you tell us about it, Alex? 
an ugly ugly duckling it will remain, it seems. I I could tell you two things. Number one, it's a constant reminder to me that real estate investment trusts are literally investing in any kind of properties. I I learned this week that there is a real estate investment trust uh, that invests in properties leased specifically to uh, the U.S. Postal Service. So that was something new to me. But also, uh, the other thing I can say is that nobody besides the buyer probably on this planet was excited to hear that this transaction occurred. So I know it was kind of a, they were conceptual plans that our two companies laid out several years ago, seemed like, you know, kind of a a big ambitious project. Uh, But it it just, it it never really came to fruition, probably for several reasons. But the big one is that the post office really wasn't ready to leave the complex, even though it's got some issues, some maintenance issues, and it's just not the best anymore, really for anyone involved. Uh, There was... Uh, not too long ago, um, some uh, some thinking that they might be preparing to move out with a new facility, roughly 400,000 square feet that they uh, were planning out in Oak Creek. Uh, and then we learned that could expand up to nearly a million square feet and we consolidate some of their area operations. But the post, the post office said, you know, they don't have any intentions of doing that anytime soon. And it's clear that they plan to remain where they are for now. So... It, you know, it, it is hard to remember sometimes when you're thinking about that mixed use development they were proposing with an office tower and a residential tower and, and you know, some potential uh, major retail space that this is still an employment center. There are a lot of people who work at this facility, but it's just an, it's a disappointment for those who wanted to see the site live up to a greater potential. It is right on the river and you you have to imagine that there's a better way to you know, activate that with a new river walk segment that doesn't have, you know, postal trucks parked on, uh, along the, the river, <laughs> uh, taking up all those sites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, it was quite the ambitious plans, um, that, uh, don't look, seem to be coming to fruition now. Um, does look like the seller made a little bit of profit, at least just on the sale it was 15 million now versus buying it for 13.1. So he's got that right. going for him. Well, I don't know if you could consider it a profit if you have to figure out whatever they, they spent on the sure, property yeah. in the meantime. There's a lawsuit and, and legal <laughs> fees and all those yes, things. So, yes, that gets expensive. Lawyers do. Lawyers, yeah. I know. Um, so Andrew, you know, obviously less than ideal from a kind of highest and best use perspective um, for this site. But what do you what do you think of all this? Oh, I have a few things to say as I unpack this story. Um, Well, first of all, I have long declared this the ugliest building in Milwaukee. Let me just say that officially. And I was responsible for calling it the ugly duckling when we had on the cover. I don't know whether it was five years ago or so. Um, It is just a horrible looking structure. It's this big, brown, rusty concrete, you know, what they call brutalist style architecture. Um, just, you know, it, it, it looks like a bomb shelter. It looks like a bunker. You know, if, 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 if we got bombed, if Milwaukee got bombed, this would be the place to be, to be safe. You go into this thing and you'd be safe. But otherwise, it's, it's just, boy, it, it is not adding to the city's aesthetic at all. Now, I don't know. As, I read the, uh, the lawsuit, the legal documents, some of the complaints about the, uh, the maintenance in there and what, how the, the condition of the roof uh, <laughs> Not sure it's going to be safe from a bomb, but 
Okay, well, maybe it just looks like a bomb shelter, but the, the, the roof's leaky, so maybe you're right. But regardless, uh, it's, it's a hideous structure. Now, it is a very good, uh, obviously, like Alex mentioned, there are a lot of people that work there. So it's a good, it's a good job center for the, the city and, you know, you know blue collar jobs, um, you know, so that's not to be cast aside cavalierly. It's, it, it's great to have that um, in, in the heart of the city. So, but in terms of, you know, highest and best use for that particular site, a, a highly visible downtown, or at least near downtown, on the river, you know, right next to the train station, people coming into Milwaukee, and this is one of the first things they see. Yeah, it's really a disappointing. I mean, you got another thing Alex mentioned, you know, trailers parked on the river. I mean, just you are really highest and best use. This is not. And the plan that, that this developer had unveiled was so over the top, to be quite honestly absurd. Um, an office tower, a residential tower, a lot of retail space in a downtown that just does not support very much retail to begin with. Look what happened to Grand Avenue. So, you know, it, it was great to see a developer from out of, out, out of town see this potential, um, invest in this property and have these great plans. But it, it seems so crazy. It, it, it never seemed realistic. But the bigger, bigger problem, even than their ambitions, which was a big enough problem, was the fact that the Postal Service has this long-term lease with numerous options to extend that lease for decades. And, you know, it's like, hey, we bought the building and well, we know the post office is here, but we figure someday they'll leave. And they tried to, they tried to push them out the door. They tried to evict them and that didn't work. The Postal Service has for many years talked about doing something else. They had considered a facility in Oak Creek, as you mentioned, Alex. But you talk about, you know, slow moving on a, on a plan. Um, they've just they've, they've been so slow to consider that and have never moved forward on it. So there's there's no sign really of them ever leaving. Someday, I imagine they will decide or. You know, we've certainly seen changes in the need for mail, and that will continue to evolve, obviously. So this facility someday will become something else, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. So, yes, the news that this is being sold to a REIT that just owns postal facilities and no longer owned by a developer with crazy plans for it is indeed disappointing, but... Quite frankly, um, it's not surprising. This project seemed unrealistic from the beginning and, and there's been no real movement on it for years. So if you thought it was still alive, you were, you were wishing upon a star. So now it's officially dead. Well, we won't keep wishing on a star then and we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll wish on a star for you know other developments and other big news stories to talk about uh, in the future. But I think that'll wrap it up for this week on the Biz Times Weekly Debrief. So, Andrew and Alex, thank you for joining me. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you. This is Dan Meyer with Biz Times Media. You've been listening to the Biz Times MKE podcast. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e newsletters and our magazine, Biz Times Milwaukee.